Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. This is Mike from Capdob with my next podcast or my latest podcast. Uh, this one's about using games and you know facilitation techniques with agile, agile teams. Uh, this would be you know for scrum master, co- scrum masters, coaches, trainers, um, those people who are helping to introduce agile for teams and people and organizations. Um, and I'm going to focus here is on using experiential learning techniques, game techniques, facilitation techniques. Uh, so for those of you who know me, uh, you know that I'm, uh, you know, as a, as a co-founder of TastyCupcakes.org um, with my good friend Don McGrail. Uh, you know, I've I've been using these techniques for a very long time. Uh, in fact, I. You know, when I first, when Don and I first started doing this and talking about this at conferences and the Agile conferences, uh, people were often dismissive of the approaches that we were taking. We were often considered, you know, it wasn't serious stuff. It wasn't the serious Agile work that everybody else was up to. Uh, so Don and I kind of were, you know, slightly to a certain extent, you know, a bit on our, treated a bit on our own. And although we got to meet other folks from the Agile community who were more into games, people like Luke Oman um, and, and others who were, you know, looking for better ways of engaging people and working with, with uh, teams and organizations in a mode that was not the standard traditional way of doing things. Because that way, in my mind, was broken and is broken. And I think it still is broken in many ways. Uh, so how we work with each other, how we engage each other. Um, there's there's history there. I'm going to talk a bit about that today, and then I want to talk a bit about you know what I uh, some advice on using these techniques uh, because I I've and for years I've seen this. I find that people will sometimes use them without consideration of how to use them appropriately as a technique. And as I'm not going to try to make this too heavy or too scientific, I'm just going to ask that if you're going to try to do it, that you do it with intent and with a plan. And I'll talk about what I mean by that as we get get going here. So with that, uh, let's get started. Like I said, we're going to talk a bit about some history of it, a bit where I come from, and then I'll talk about some techniques and ideas for using games uh, and other facilitation techniques uh, to help your teams and companies with Agile. So... Uh, where shall we start? I think a good place to start is, you know, where where we learned, uh, you know, what education is supposed to be like. And and so for for many of us, uh, you know, our, our exposure to education was, you know, in classrooms, elementary school, junior high, high school, university, college. Uh, and, and in those forums or in those um, in those environments of learning, uh, the, the the learning style and the approach to teaching, um, you know, has although it has some similarities, it, it sort of transitions a bit. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts, and this is based primarily on my experience. And so, uh, you know, I'm sure that things have changed a lot in elementary school training, high school training. I'm just gonna gonna go with my background uh, and what I've seen and what I still see with my kids. But again, as sort of a uh, somebody who's a little distant, right? I'm not in the class with them, so. So to begin with, so a lot of the elementary school training, right, is uh, is in my mind kind of geared towards uh, creating a passive compliant workers 
uh, who will sit quietly and take direction. And so you learn the procedure, then you practice, you learn, you practice, uh, maybe work a little bit in groups, but it's always directed by the authority figure, the boss at the front of the room, the teacher. And, and by the way, I'm not picking on teachers. My parents were teachers. And hey, I teach classes too. So I'm not picking on teachers, but just, just it's leveraging or it's establishing an authority role as an adult in the room with those students. And they're learning a lot of socialization, but that socialization is a lot about becoming compliant workers. And that's really what it was set up for a lot of it. Not everything, but a lot of it. Uh, and, and so as this goes on, right, the, the progression uh, moves from elementary through junior high, high school to university. And, it, and what it is, is it's moving from a um, first creating the passive uh, compliant person. And, but then you're starting to build the, um, the, the uh, that having that compliant student, um, look for reinforcement from that authority figure being the student or being the teacher and building a competitive environment. So over time, it becomes a more and more competitive, competitive environment as you progress through your education. So you're not, it's about, um, trying to do better than those around you. And to a certain extent, like, you know, most kids, and I, I listen to my son and, uh, you know, his friends, they'll they'll work together to find ways to help each other. You know, they might even copy each other's homework now and then. But for the most part, a lot of the a lot of the education system is sort of you against the rest of the world. You're it's your mark. You're trying to be ahead of the curve. You want to be doing better, getting better marks. And so, um, so, so the learning environment becomes this competitive landscape and people are judged and, uh, they're, they're assigned, uh, you know, you know, uh, either implicit or explicit value as an, as an individual based on how well they're doing with uh, learning materials. So if you don't do well in a test or you're not understanding something, uh, you start to appear weak and that may perhaps not like, like maybe you don't belong. And this is all sounding horrible and, and, and it's not all a horrible experience, but these are things that I'm as I see them, that, that really hurt the ability for people coming out of an education system to work in an innovative group and trying to be collaborative. And so, so we, we've, we've got a passive workforce who's not looking to do things unless they're told, but they're also competing with their, um, you know, their classmates uh, for, you know, the authorities, you know, uh, value of their knowledge or ability or how much they've learned. So this assessment and, and as you translate that and you start looking into most environments, a lot of corporate environments where, you know, the, the vast majority of it is competing with each other. Um, and there's a lot of competing laterally to move up a ladder uh, and managing status up. So it's reinforcing, it's setting that tone for students to walk into a workforce where that's what they're doing, competing with each other, looking up, looking for reassurance um, from those up, up further in the chain. So... Anyway, okay. So a, a lot of this is, uh, in, in my mind, in my in my opinion, I should say, it's it's dangerous. It's damaging. I think it holds us back. I think it doesn't create the best possible environment for our children as they grow up and move into the world, uh, because it's it's the the competition is in the world outside your building. It's not with the people you work with. Uh, the people you work with are on your team. Uh, you know the sad the sad reality is. 
things. We've, we've created an environment where the people we should be working with together, we, we view as our uh, as people that we're competing with, and the people outside the building, they're probably less of a threat to most people inside of companies. And, uh, you know, that, that mindset uh, creates a very weird world where, you know, the uh, the people you're trying to work with closest tend to be the can be perceived as your biggest threats or competition. Um, so an unhealthy uh, environment for learning and working. So, okay, so that's my, my quick overview or assessment of what I see in terms of, you know, you know, the education and so wh- where we've gotten to and my background, I guess it's my experience too in education. And I think, I think it's kind of still the same for a lot of folks. It may be, I'm sure it has changed a bit or things have progressed. I know my daughter comes back from elementary school and talks about learning about growth mindsets. And I, I think there's a different tone out there in the education system today. Uh, but I don't think the change has been a whole, it's going to be a, it's been a massive change. I'm still seeing very much the sort of mindset and approaches that we've seen in the past. Now, uh, now when, when I get into, when I start talking about things like experiential learning and um, these activities and games where I'm trying to get teams of people to, or groups of people in, in a room, if it's training or it could just be a team, uh, and I want the team to come to not just a new, uh, you know, a new idea of better ways of working, a better understanding of maybe principles, values of agile. Um, I may want, and actually not almost always, I want the team to have a shared understanding of those things. So there's 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 a couple things that, that I'm trying to accomplish. It's not just sort of the individual learn something and then they go off and perform it and everything works fine. I'm looking for the team to have a shared experience experience, have a conversation about that shared experience, and then change their mindset about something that they've looked at in a particular way, come up with a new way of working, and then together they advance together. They advance together as a team. It's not the individual sort of trying to compete with each other. This is always about the group understanding and a group's experience working together. So... This is where I get into experiential learning. Experiential learning techniques, I mean, that's a fancy, it's a fancy way. There are facilitation techniques, but experiential learning is a fancy way of saying games, activities. These are simulations. These are, um, they can be discussions, actually. Parables can be a form of experiential learning. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, for the most part, when people look at it, they're often doing games or doing some type of facilitation technique that involves group behavior uh, and, and starts to establish new group behavior. Um, and with it, it, it tends to have a, a flow. And the flow is, you know, you the, the, the game, the activity uh, sets a uh, context or an experience. And that experience is we do something, right? And then from that experience, there's each individual has a moment, has some time to reflect on what they've seen. But then, then there's a conversation, a group conversation about what happened. And so from that... Then there, then there becomes a conversation about new ways of working. So what, what have we learned from this and what might we do differently going forward? So 
What we're trying to achieve with games or, or experiential learning, I should say, is self-discovery. And, you know, people learn um, the, themselves that something, uh, you know, there's a better way of working or, a, uh, or understanding a principle. Importantly, though, it's not just the individual learning it. It becomes a group understanding of what it means. And this is very important because that experiential learning, that self-discovery becomes group discovery. And that group discovery, once you establish that better way of working and the why it's important, so the why is very important, the why it values. So we all understand why we're doing it. But the new way of working becomes also shared knowledge and a shared shared discovery that then starts to build out normative rules for how you're going to work as a team, uh, as a team that is trying to succeed together. So we're creating patterns for group behavior, not individual behavior with this. Uh, so this, these facilitation techniques, I mean, I use a lot of games, but they don't have to be games. I mean, games are one technique. So go to tastycupcakes.org, by the way, if you would like to see what I mean by some of these games. There's tons of them there. Uh, and what they are, they're just games that, are, that you can play with your teams or people where you can have that experience. And then importantly, have the conversation afterwards with the group. Because that's the most important part, actually, because without that, it just becomes theater. And I'll get that to that in a moment. But you're, the point of these games facilitation techniques is not, you know, comedic relief or a break or an activity or, you know, uh, an energizer. Uh, it is very much intentional to set a frame and experience for a team to talk about uh, with that shared experience. So um, now. So as we're doing this, so so a couple of different techniques. So some of them are games, right? So if you go to, let's say, Tasty Cupcakes, maybe you'll see uh, 99 Test Balloons. There's an old one that Don and I created years and years and years ago. Um, that's a fun game. It uses balloons. And the point of that game isn't the game itself. It's um, the game is really there to set the frame for a conversation. So, for instance, with 99 Test Balloons, the way the game is set up is that, uh, you know, that, you know, invariably the way, you know, the way people are, uh, teams will not ask the questions initially about what they're, what, what they're being asked to do with these balloons, uh, with a set of balloons and they, 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 they screw it up. They don't deliver the right thing. There's a learning experience. They're not happy with me as a, as a customer first. And then we try again. And the point of the conversation, the whole point of the game is to learn to have a conversation about engaging with our customers and having it be a, a, uh, a two-way conversation. It's not simply tell, you know, the customer tells us what to do and we do it. It's meant to be a back and forth and a collaboration, right, between your customers. And again, getting back to that principles, those principles of the value, sorry, the uh, values in the Agile Manifesto, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. So it's that game. And I'm not going to, I don't want to do a, a run through that game. But the point of that is, is to have people understand uh, the value of, um, you know, engaging with your customer over having simply a fixed scope of work that we go off and build. So now games are one way to do it. There's other facilitation techniques out there, and there are plenty of them. Uh, one I'm seeing lots of uh, in the scrum.org community are liberating structures. That's facilitation techniques. Uh, to be honest, uh, another approach is just simply parables. Parables and stories are another great way to frame a conversation in those parables and stories, uh, you, you know, they're, they're all leading to something. So the parable, the story, the facilitation techniques, the games, they're all creating emotional experiences 
And those emotional experiences in people cause memories and memories cause people to remember and recall uh, the meaning and the assignment of meaning for what, you know, something they've learned or some new way of working. And this is very important because I'm going to go back to that traditional way of learning that I talked about earlier. That mode of learning is very much like a factory model. It's sort of, you know, you sit in your chair and you and let the learning is hard. Right. And you're fundamentally you're not you're expected to listen to the person talk and take your notes and go off and think about it. But it's very much a, um, a stale environment of learning um, versus a, a, an environment of learning that is interactive, but has emotional ups and downs. And those emotional ups and downs are very important for human learning. Because without that, people will not have memories that will not have recall. And the memories of particularly of the why we do things and the experience of something feeling good or something feeling bad is very important for um, the valuing of new ways of working. But importantly, uh, cementing, you know, ways of working together as a group that has a positive reinforcement with it. So the emotional context there is super, super important. Uh, And so these techniques are meant to do that. They're meant to bring that out. And so parables are a great way to do this because parables are stories and stories when told well, when the story has, you know, it it has to have some emotional context. It has to have some tension built into it. But if you tell that parable well, you tell the story well, the the, uh, effect from the listener's perspective is to feel the emotion of that person and to become, you know, be in their shoes and to experience it um, emotionally. And that's very important because then that's still just as enough. That's enough of a frame for you as a facilitator, a trainer, as a leader to then take that and have a conversation about what does this mean? Now, let's discuss this. Let's look at our work. Let's look at how we work together and talk about similarities we see there and also ways that we might want to work in the future and start to establish rules and normative behavior that is perhaps more positive or perhaps more productive whatever it is, whatever the case may be. So this is the importance, and I think we're going to be seeing more and more of this. You know, again, I used to be kind of perceived as out in the out in the out in the the wilds of the agile community. I think, in some respects, I probably still am. Uh, you know, I've never really wanted to appear that serious. I think that's a little silly. Uh, so, uh, so uh, the, the the net of this is there's is some serious seriousness though to how I approach this, and I do get a little upset when I see people doing it. I'm not upset, but I'm very disappointed, I should say, when people don't take these techniques seriously. Because I see a lot of people now who I know historically would have just scoffed at doing any of these activities, simply running games, simply doing it to create an experience, but they're not being intentional about it. And so I see this quite a bit. I hear people say, oh, we've got to do something. We've got to have an experience for our team, or we've got to do something for the organization. Let's create the experience. Uh, and, or they view it as an energizer. They see it as the game is just simply we do it. There's an experience. It doesn't really matter what that's about. Now, um, I'm, I'm going to suggest you never do this. Uh, the games are not about theater. They're not just for the comedic relief, as I just mentioned, the facilitation, whatever it is you're doing, the technique, the game, the activity. You always want to walk in with intent. 
So if you're going to walk in and do an activity, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, well, what do I want everyone to remember, both emotionally, but what do I want them to think differently about? And what do I hope to achieve from a moving forward? Do I want to do I want to create change in this group or their mindset or behaviors? And with that, then I need to then say, well, what activities and games or or just game or one activity do I need to do that will help me create a context, create a frame for us to have a conversation about that and a conversation about what we can do next. And and to carry that further, I want as short a game as possible. In fact, I don't want to spend any more time than I have to uh, playing a game, talking about my parable or whatever the activity is. I want to do that as quickly as possible for us all to have the shared experience, so long as it's meaningful. Um, I've seen, I've seen, over and over again, and this is even at uh, large conferences, people who are very well known simply just running a game and at the end there's no conversation at all. And it just baffles me. Um, People seem to enjoy it. And in fact, they will enjoy it initially. Uh, But, you know, you do that over and over again, people are going to start to say, well, wait, what is the point of this? I mean, this is fun. I guess it was refreshing to come to a meeting and not just sort of hear somebody talk. But at the end of the day, you actually have to make a point with this or not make a point. You're doing it. You need to be doing this with intent. You need to be doing it to make a change to your team, uh, to the group you're working with. And if you're not thinking that way, don't do it. Uh, you know, it, it'll feel like fun for a bit, but people are going to start thinking you're a little you're a little empty if you're not taking this and doing it with um, with purpose in mind. And so so going forward again, take that advice. I want you to come up with. You know, what am I trying to achieve? What do I want the team to recognize? What new things do I want them? What do I, do I want us to have a conversation about? Uh, and so how can I do this? So, so with that, you always leave. I always try to leave way more time for what I'll call the debrief after the game or activity or facilitation. In fact, if I was going to put a weighting or percentage weighting, I'd want at least 75% of my time spent talking about what we did, what we experienced, and then what, how, what this looks like going forward. And maybe 25% of my time talking about and running that game or activity. Um, so with that, that's, those are my thoughts on using experiential learning techniques. And then also from a learning perspective, just sort of the different mindset and approach to it, um, that uh, it almost feels like we have to do this in the private training world because our education system seems to be producing people still who are more aligned to independent work in competing with each other uh, versus, uh, you know, creating, you know, teams of people who are engaged and jazzed about working together and coming up with better ways of working. And that's a bit of a blanket statement. I should be careful there, but there's, there is a lot of that. Uh, so this is my, these are my thoughts on this. You know, I, uh, Hope you enjoyed this little podcast. This is an interesting little topic for me on games and agile. So, uh, you know, you know, reach out to me. Uh, it's Captov. Uh, Captov. You know, go to Captov.com. Uh, you'll see my got a website, and you have got an email. You can see there. You know, if you're you got any interest or thoughts on this topic, you know, by all means, please send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. It's always great to hear from people who are you know either using games or activities or have their own experiences with this. Um, Please subscribe to my podcast. I, uh, you know, I, I enjoy doing this. I hope you enjoy listening to it. <laughs> and with that, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Bye now.